This is your daily real estate syndication show, and I am your host, Whitney Sewell. Today is a highlight show that's packed with value from different guests around a specific topic. Don't forget to like and subscribe, but also go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up to start investing in real estate today. I hope you enjoy the show. Our guest is Bill Smith. Thanks for being on the show, Bill. Thank you for having me, Whitney. Now, I'm honored to have Bill on the show. He's definitely an expert in his field, and we can learn a lot from him. But he's the National Sales Director for ELB Consulting Incorporated, works with commercial real estate owners and investors to reduce their federal tax burden and improve their cash flow for future investments. After spending 20 plus years in executive sales, marketing and management positions for both Fortune 500 and entrepreneurial firms in real estate finance technology services, Bill teamed with ELB a specialty tax solutions business in 2013 and utilizes a proprietary engineering methodology to maximize the allowable IRS tax deductions and provide bulletproof protection in the event of an IRS audit. Well, Bill, thanks again for being on the show and a bulletproof protection. We all want that, right? Especially in the event of an IRS audit. Absolutely. That's very important. Yeah. So I want you to tell the listeners a little more about, you know, who you are in case they haven't heard of you, what you do. And then, you know, we're going to get into this thing called cost seg and you could elaborate on who you are and then we'll get into that. Okay. Well, as you said, that was a nice introduction. I think something that I've written up, but a lot longer than I thought, but I'm a national director for ELB Consulting. been doing this for a number of years and kind of the product expert for our firm. And so cost segregation for those folks who haven't heard of that in the past I mean, some on your show will know what that is or have heard of it or have some general understanding or maybe a misunderstanding, which I find quite a lot when I'm talking to people. People don't really know what it is. But essentially, cost segregation is a method to, in essence, dissect the building down to all its component parts and short life them into ways to accelerate the depreciation. I like to say optimizing the depreciation schedule. So you can get in there and optimize the depreciation schedule which creates those tax deductions, which in turn creates cash flow. So the real goal for cost segregation is cash flow. And I've had clients that wanted for strictly tax deductions. They got a high tax liability and they said, Bill, help me out. And they say, when I'm done, I didn't pay taxes. They were very happy. But many firms and many people like it for not paying the taxes to free up cash flow to then buy more properties, which I think that's what your listeners want. They're looking to buy more properties. They're buying syndications, and the syndicators clearly are using this, as we know. But also some people are buying small apartment complexes. They're starting out two or three rental homes, a lake home they're renting. So that's where the real benefits lie in kind of breaking down the components for tax strategy. Awesome. I look forward to getting in more depth about cost seg and why we need to know what this is. But when does it make sense to have a cost segregation study done? And maybe you can elaborate on what that is a little bit. And even more in depth, like the actual study itself. Okay, I'll get into that in some more detail. So when does it make sense to be done? And there's some debate about that. A lot of people will say it's good to do it when you purchase the property or when you build the property, you know, and some even CPAs have a misunderstanding because we're really providing information and a report that the CPAs use to mitigate the tax liability. So we don't do it. We just provide the details for the CPA. But the best time to do it is now. You know, you could have bought a property five or 10 years ago, and we can do a look back study. So you've been doing straight line depreciation for these past five or 10 years. And if it's a large enough property, there's enough meat on the bone, so to speak, 
we can do a look back study, catch up what you've taken in straight line, to accelerate all the current properties, and then you get a lump sum of deductions in the current tax year. And people think, well, gosh, if I get a million dollars in tax deductions, that's more than I can use this year. I've only got a $300,000 tax liability on my, on my properties. Well, it carries forward. You never lose it. It's not a use it or lose it. So if you got excess depreciation, you can certainly use that. So we say it's good to do it in the year that you buy it. It goes in service, but you can always do it. You can do a look back. Another point is if you've had a property for a while, you do significant improvements, capital improvements. If you're putting a million dollars into a property to upgrade or repurpose, then there's a cost seg on those improvements. And you may or may not have done it on the property originally. So if not, we can go back into the original property from five years ago and then the improvements, this particular you know expense, and then put those in the right tax buckets and apply those for the CPA to mitigate tax liability. Is there any time we wouldn't need to do a cost seg study or wouldn't want to? That's a great question. So if someone's flipping property, some of your buyers on there, your listeners will say, hey, I'm buying a property, I'm going to upgrade it, and I'm going to turn it over in a few years. So you really have need a hold period. Because the IRS will have a recapture rate, and they don't want you to double dip. So if you took excessive deductions in these first couple of years, then sold it, then they're going to have a recapture rate. And recapture is basically, it's the spread on the gain on sale and your basis value. So if you depreciate, you reduce your basis value. So on that spread of basis value to your acquisition price, you're going to pay ordinary income tax. And you pay capital gains on the capital gains rate, which is lower. So some people choose not to do it when they don't have more than a five-year hold period. Some do, though. They may not know, but because of the cash flow strategy, you're going to have recapture anyway. They'll do it if they're using the cash for more properties. If you're not using it to keep your investments going, then it doesn't really make sense. And I would suggest someone not do it. So that's really the only time that it makes sense not to do it or if the property is just too small. While we're talking about that, does it cost anything if I just called you, you know, connected with you and gave you the details about a property and you did say that's not probably a property that would be worthwhile doing a cost tag on? No, it doesn't cost anything. And our firm, like pretty much every other firm, some do charge for a proposal. But what we do is we do what's called a feasibility analysis. It's kind of the terminology in the industry. It's kind of a fancy word for proposal. But essentially what our firm does, and some just use a quick model and some numbers, but we will go through, evaluate that property and identify a conservative projection of tax benefit and cash flow and an optimistic benefit, give you a range of where it's going to fall. So then you can look at that. We can have a conversation about those benefits. Does it make sense? And talk to your CPA and tax professional. Say, do you need it? Because let's say you have carry forward losses for something else and you're not paying taxes. That's the other thing. If you don't have a tax liability, it doesn't make sense to do it. Going back to that last question, that's one thing I left out. So if you're not paying taxes, good for you, and it won't help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what size property should we start to consider a call segregation study for? Well, you know, there's a lot of these, you know, investor boards and things out there, and people are arguing. There's a lot of argument over that. So we can do a property as low as $300,000. But if you're looking at a warehouse, there's not a lot of special purpose components because really it's the special purpose components, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, flooring, lighting, all the specialty items that make a big difference. So if it was a small doctor's office in a smaller community in a place like Raleigh where I live or Roanoke or Atlanta or somewhere like that, you know, doctor's offices are 800 to a million. 
But in a small thing where you've got a lot of specialty components, built-in cabinets, specialty lighting, specialty flooring, there's an opportunity to go down as low as 300000 But typically, a lot of people say a million dollars is a cutoff. Of course, the larger the property, the greater the benefit. But we look at it and say, what makes sense for a property? Is the cost-benefit analysis, because we'll say, here's the price, here's your net present value on the cash flow that you're, you know, the cash you're not paying the IRS, does that make sense? And most firms will provide some level of evaluation like that. So obviously, the higher, the better. But, you know, there is a discussion about single-family rental homes, and we do a lot of those. And we'll do sometimes a desktop version where we'll have the, you know, we'll have the appraisal, we'll have the closing statement, we'll ask the homeowner or the owner to take some pictures, additional pictures, because they probably don't have pictures of, they say, oh, okay, these pictures for renting, but they don't have pictures of the mechanical systems and the, and the breaker box and stuff like that that get, you know, cost that guys excited. So we have done those on some rental properties when they're large enough, but there's also automated models out there. There's several of those. We actually have a division that has one of those. We create an automated model and that will support properties up to a million dollars. And it doesn't have to be just residential. We can do any number of properties on our platform and it's a modeling platform based on our 14,000 studies we've done to date, 14,000 plus. And so it supports properties under a million. But one of the things I want to mention about that. I've had people call us where that makes sense for a six or seven hundred thousand dollar property, but on the flip side, actually the fully engineered instead of paying a thousand dollars for that with auto defense or you know on a residential it's you know four hundred. You want the asset detail. There's benefits to that. I think we're going to talk about that, but having the asset detail on some properties really provides value and that gives you future value to the cost. So it it really depends. Under a million dollars, you may want a fully engineered report, and sometimes you don't. It just, and it really depends on the investor's goals and what they're going to do with the property. Our guest is Frank Judici. Thanks for being on the show, Frank. Pleasure to be invited. Thank you so much, Whitney, for all that you do. Go ahead, Frank. What are some of those common misnomers that we need to keep in mind? The number one that I find is people have this mindset that If you don't have a cost segregation study performed in the year in which the property was placed in service, and when I say placed in service, that typically means when somebody takes title after acquisition, they take title to the property, or they build it new and they get their certificate of occupancy, that's kind of the in-service date, right? When does that property start to generate income? And you'll hear me use the word commercial property a couple of times. And I don't want people to get mixed up. Commercial property is any real estate that generates income. It's not just property of a commercial use. Commercial property can be commercial use or residential use. So I just wanted to clear that up. But again, the number one misnomer is that if you don't have that cost segregation study performed in that year that you file it on your depreciation schedule for your taxes, then you've missed out. And the simple truth is this. This is the one thing I ask people to keep in mind when it comes to cost segregation. The general rule of thumb is whether you built it brand new, ground up construction, or you acquired it, or you significantly renovated a building in your portfolio over the past 15 years. So dating back to the early 2000s, any one of those three options, significant renovation, acquisition, new build construction, Over the past 15 years, you have the ability, you are a potential candidate to have a cost segregation study done. The IRS allows this to be retroactive. So we can literally go back into someone's portfolio of properties, 
commercial real estate that they put into service in the early 2000s. We can do the study in the present day, right here, 2020, and we can catch up on the missed depreciation deductions they hadn't been claiming over the past 15 years, and they can claim them in the current tax year. So probably a good tidbit for people who haven't filed their 2019 taxes, they have the ability to have a study performed right now, May of 2020, and they can utilize the results of that study with their 2019 tax return and benefit from those missed depreciation deductions they haven't been claiming over the past 15 years. I think a lot of people get into real estate and they may own property for years and they don't even know this is something they should do. It's not in their wheelhouse yet. And that's a great point, Whitney. And a lot of people don't realize that the loophole was created for cost segregation as part of Reagan's Tax Reform Act of 1986. So technically, cost segregation has been happening for properties that were placed in service January 1st, 1987, all the way to present day. But it really wasn't until the fall of 2004 that the IRS released the audit technique guideline for cost segregation, which is when this industry really blew up. I mean, in fall of 2004, when the IRS released their kind of stamp of approval on the cost segregation industry, that's when you started seeing cost seg providers pop up left and right. So again, general rule of thumb, 15 years, you still have the ability to have a cost segregation study performed and to receive that cash flow because that's what it's doing. Cost segregation is a tax deferral strategy. It's time value of money. The more deductions you have now to offset income in the present tax year is more cash flow in your pocket. It's less money you're paying Uncle Sam. It's more money in your pocket that you can invest elsewhere. That sounds good to me. (laughs) I wanted to highlight one thing. I know you highlighted just the definition of the commercial real estate when you're talking about it right now, but I wanted to clarify. Somebody has, say, a portfolio of 10 single-family homes. Can they also do a cost seg as opposed to somebody that has, say, a triplex or a 50-unit? Absolutely. Yep. So again, where it gets a little tricky is people who own vacation homes and they Airbnb the vacation home for a certain amount of time throughout the year. And they try to have a cost segregation study done on the months that it's actually being rented. So I don't want to get into the weeds. That gets a little hairy. But for the most part, if it's a property that's not a personal residence and you're using it to basically generate income, whether it's of a residential use or a commercial use, you have the ability to perform cost segregation. All right. So what's another misnomer or that we should be aware of? Yeah. So the other big one is, well, geez, Frank, if I do a cost seg study on a property that dates back to the early 2000s, I'm going to have to amend all my tax returns going back 15 years. False. So the IRS does not require you to amend all your previous year's tax returns. There's a form called a Form 3115, and that's a change in accounting methods that gets filed with your current year taxes. And that basically alerts the IRS that you are taking a particular property or multiple properties within your portfolio, and you are changing the depreciable cycle of those properties. And therefore, I know I'm getting technical, but a 481A adjustment needs to be made up for. And that's that cash flow that I was talking about, the catch-up depreciation that you've been missing out on over the past 15 years. You get to catch up on that 481A adjustment, which is populated within this form 3115 change in accounting methods. 
So again, you're not required to amend all your previous tax returns. It's one form that needs to be filled out. Now, what I will tell people is I keep saying a form, which makes people think it's a singular page. That's false. This is about a 15-page document, 12 to 15-page document on each property. And it does come at an extra additional charge. Many cost seg providers are able to provide this form 3115. Sometimes CPAs are able to do it as well, but there's a special tax software that's required to be able to produce this. So the only caveat to doing a cost seg study on a property that was placed in service over a year ago is you have to file that form 3115. But that's a heck of a lot better than having to amend all your previous year's tax returns. For sure. No doubt about it. Any other misnomers that we need to know about? You know what? I'm going to just touch upon two more and I'll be quick because there's two other important topics I also want to touch upon. So the other misnomer is that my CPA does this for me. Okay. This is how I describe it to people. If it's a CPA who's progressive and one of the big four, big eight, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Those types of CPAs have independent departments within their overall firm that specialize in cost segregation. Okay. But many CPAs don't have those capabilities or in-house services, okay? Because it does require a staff with engineering principles and construction principles to be able to generate these studies in order for them to be defensible to the IRS in case of an audit. So what I tell people is, yes, your CPA does do what I call a low-hanging fruit cost segregation study. If you took your building and you flipped it upside down, all the stuff that would fall to the ceiling is what your CPA traditionally does. That's what they segregate. It's called the FFE, furnishings, fixtures, and equipment. If you own multifamilies, many times a CPA will segregate the appliances, right? You've got the stove or the oven and the refrigerator and the dishwasher, all that stuff, low-hanging fruit, we call it. But if you really want to take advantage of cost segregation, you need to have a professional provide it. And this is where I'll insert the company pitch, Bedford cost segregation. This is what we do. Okay. So if you really want to take advantage of cost segregation, there's much more than just appliances in a given commercial real estate that can benefit from cost segregation. And this is where a lot of CPAs draw the line in the sand that they cannot provide that type of backup or justification. So again, leave it to the professionals to go in and do electrical loading analyses. There's a bunch of stuff that can also be peeled out and really benefit from cash flow. And then lastly, a lot of people have this mindset that when they're doing a renovation project, the stuff that they are disposing of to make way for the new improvements, you're redoing your bathroom, you're redoing your kitchen, you're sprucing up your commercial real estate, okay? And inevitably, whenever you're doing renovations, you're disposing of older assets. So people don't realize that when they're stripping those assets out of their commercial real estate and they're putting it into the dumpster, which is heading to the landfill, they're literally shoveling cash into that dumpster. So there is something called partial asset disposition that you can have incorporated into your cost segregation study that you're able to claim the depreciable value still left in assets that you're demolishing as part of your renovation project. I'm not going to get into the weeds. There's a bunch of caveats that have to be met to be able to qualify for this partial asset disposition, but it's something that you have to talk to a cost seg professional about. It's very important. There could be valuable losses that you're shoveling into the dumpster and not claiming on your tax returns. 
Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day. 